<laughs> Welcome everyone to Haven of Horror. Uh, this is Subject Eight Seven Nine. We've got the Day Ghost and Torgo. Day Ghost, it's been a while since you were on the channel, and something that actually stayed on the channel. Uh, the last yeah, thing we this... talked about, about well, was don't Overlord. say it too early because this might this recording might get messed up. <laughs> uh, hopefully not, because I'm looking at OBS and everything looks good. So let's okay, see. That's good. Uh, so how you been, buddy? I'm good. Yeah, we've missed you. Uh, we're here to talk about the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which I believe was one of Torgo's picks. Only the second silent film I've ever seen. Uh, both of them for the channel, of course. The, the, channel. Other, the other one, of course, was Nosferatu. I, I don't necessarily go out of my way to avoid a silent film. They're just not my preferred thing to watch. Although I can usually get something out of them. Um... I'd like to revisit Nosferatu. Both, both of which I think were things that we made you watch. Because uh, I think, wasn't Nosferatu one of the things that I put for uh, the October show uh, last year? I believe so. I think that was the 1920s movie. If not for that, I'm pretty sure that was one of the things I picked out. I might You're getting been. cultured. I'm, yeah. We're, yeah, we're here to discuss a very important film, uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which... I struggled with this one in different ways than I did Nosferatu. A lot of my issues with Nosferatu were just I watched a really shitty copy, uh, which gave me a headache. Thankfully, this I watched this the official version on Shudder, and so I did not have that issue. But I have to admit there were certain points where I lost complete track of the story. But we'll get there here in a bit. But I'd like to hear Austin's just general thoughts on The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Um, I guess first I'll just give like a rundown of what the movie is about. Um, so the uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari is a film about a a man who is telling the story about uh, this kind of like mystical character that runs a uh, I don't know if he maybe not like he runs a circus but he has like kind of like a circus act uh, like with a, this yeah an act. yeah. Um, where he's got this guy that, you know, is sleeping and then you wake him up and then he can like answer questions and he can tell you the future. And, uh, then of course, like this person is murdering people and we're kind of trying to figure out like what's going on there. And Dr. Caligari, you know, he flees and, uh, we find out that he is the director of a mental institute and, you know, we finally arrest him. Everything's good. We go back to the... Uh, him telling the story, and then boom, shocker ending. Nineteen twenty, uh, he was crazy the whole time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers for a hundred-year-old movie. And if you're watching this review, you probably should have watched the movie first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but my personal thoughts on it, uh, I thought this movie was, uh, quite excellent. Um, you know, visually it's fantastic and I like, didn't expect like some of the kind of twists and turns that it took, like for a hundred year old movie, it was like, oh man, like we're going to some places I didn't really expect. And it really helped that I came into this, not knowing anything about it. Outside of the fact that, you know, it's like one of the most influential horror films of all time. Maybe just one of the most influential movies of all time, really. But, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, while watching this, I could definitely see, like, things that I, I like where they 
you know, were influenced by this film. Um, before we get to Torgo's thoughts, you said in the Discord, you know, that Tim Burton was clearly influenced by this movie. And I agree with you because the big takeaway I took from this movie out of anything else was that this is a beautiful movie. And I love that it's, I love its use of colors. Cause I, and I assume that yellow is supposed to be like daytime and then it like turns a green for, for night, which, night. which mm-hmm. was interesting. Yeah. Um, even just, um, because the like light and shadow is painted onto the set and, uh, just yeah. the way that they kind of make that work. And, uh, you know, you'll have like windows that kind of make like make arrows that like point into what you're supposed to look at in frame. Mm-hmm. Like it's so just well-made and that kind of, um, I don't mean this in like a derogatory way, but in like kind of like a stagey, like, um, theater kind of way. Like it is very theatrical Yeah, and uh, just everything about it is very made up in that way. Um, very deliberately, uh, and it's quite beautiful and you know you'll have like everything kind of slanted and you have the um kind of circus performer running away and like the world is kind of warping and he's kind of moving in a way to like reflect that (laughs) you have you have scenes where they're like in office buildings and people are like sitting at these weird desks that have like giant chairs or like really tall chairs (laughs) And yeah, the the whole production design in this movie is really interesting. And very one of my favorite you know. shots like that is uh, the door into the mental institute uh, director's office is like yeah. slanted and like gets smaller as it goes. And a bunch of people walk into it at one point, and the first guy like kind of ducks in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because of how it's slanted. But it's interesting that you mentioned the you know, how well how well crafted the story is, as well as you know, the set design, but before we go into that, Torgo, uh, I'm going to get, I kind of get the feeling you're in the same boat as Austin, but let's hear, hear your thoughts on, on the film. Yeah. Well, a lot of what I loved about this movie is from the production design angle. Um, like you guys said, I think this is a really beautiful looking movie and I don't, I didn't know a whole lot about it going in. I knew, I knew it was like a German expressionist, like horror film. (laughs) And, um, but I could tell, you know, just looking at it, that this influenced a lot of things. Like, you, we'd mentioned Tim Burton earlier. This definitely had to have... This is probably one of his favorite movies, I would assume. And, yeah, um, yeah and, 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 you know, the, just the way that certain shots are composed and how they use the lighting and, like, there's heavy emphasis on shadows. You can tell that, like, it probably influenced a lot of noir films um, in, like, the 40s and stuff. Um, yeah, and um, I kind of learned, too, that it's one of the first thing that starts the, like, cinematic, you know, like, monster, like, picks up the girl and runs away with her, and everybody's, you know, oh, yeah. going after them. Yeah, no, uh, I didn't yeah. really think about that uh, while watching it, but I did, like, a little bit of research afterwards, and it's like, oh, yeah, that like that makes sense. That would be one of the first things that does that. So in a way, have... you can say this influenced King Kong. <laughs> yeah, this influenced King Kong. <laughs> Well, and uh, and then you have like a whole mob of people chasing after them, kind of like Frankenstein. It's very universal in that way, or uh, mm-hmm. Universal is very this, I should say. Yeah, Universal is definitely looking at this along with you know noir films of the forties. But um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, that's a lot of what I loved about the movie. Um, I did 
struggle a little bit following it, but I think by the end, once they revealed the twist, I kind of got the gist of everything. Um, mm. It's just that I'm not used to watching a lot of silent films. Like I'm, I'm kind of a noob. I can't call myself a film buff. <laughs> uh, but um, so it's a little bit out of my wheelhouse. But you know, from a newcomer perspective, I think I did get the hang of it overall. I'm with you. I struggled to follow at certain parts, but it kind of came together. And I love a good twist, uh, so I appreciated that this was in here. But it's interesting because the writers of this film weren't really like professional writers. Uh, the understanding I get just from a quick glance at Wikipedia is they were a couple of World War One veterans who were kind of disillusioned with the world and with the war. So they got together and wrote a script over like six months. Um, or six weeks, sorry, not six months. Interesting. And that's the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and I like, too, with the twist, it kind of recontextualizes um, the set design in a way because you're getting the story from, like, this crazy person. So right. it kind of makes you go, like, oh, yeah, that's why the, you're seeing the world from a warped view. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're watching someone's story from like a warp perspective so everything it just the whole world just has something about it that really feel feels off so yeah that's interesting i didn't think about that it's got that kind of uh and i don't know if i mean maybe this was looking at this but uh that wizard of oz thing where uh when you back out uh to the ending when you get out of the like main movie story um when you kind of like look around in the mental institute at the end, you can kind of pick out like, okay, like this is that person in the story. That's this person in the story. And a lot of them aren't played by the same actors. Like the guy that's Caligari is just a guy that kind of looks like that. So it's like, yeah, it's interesting in that way. (laughs) I think that is the same actor too. Like, yeah, because he put, I don't think so. Like maybe it is, and they just make them look different. But they look very similar. Well, but... I wasn't sure at first, but I think right mm-hmm. at the end he puts the glasses on. It's like okay, that I think that is the same actor. Well, I could be wrong about that. There's definitely like a uh, like is he crazy? Is it maybe? Is he maybe not? Like there is yeah maybe some question to it. Yeah, like he could be the new. Uh, I. I don't really know what the word is, but you know the the guy that he was controlling through, yeah, through, like, sleepwalking. Alamanist. I'm not sure how to pronounce know, it. Yeah, yeah. I should. That was that was the first thing that threw me off because they kept in her like talking about Caligari as this solemnist, if that's how you pronounce it, and I didn't know but what yeah, the right, fuck right, that right. was. I was like, what? Yeah. What does that mean? But uh, no, real quick, speaking of like, influences. This totally influenced Kubrick with The Shining, right? The weird set designs and, like, uh, how it doesn't quite look real. Yeah, I can yeah. see that a little bit. No, in a way, this kind of influenced, like, almost everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is one of those, like, foundational, like, film, canon, cinema, history kind of movies. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I do just want to point out to kind of add to what you guys are talking about, whether or not it's the same actors or not. There now, obviously, Wikipedia is not the most reliable source, but there is only this movie is dead at this point. So (laughs) there is no more than uh, six actors listed as the cast. 
So I would assume it is the same people, but or source. It's hard to tell with a film this old. You definitely see the sleepwalker guy in that scene, and he looks different, but I could tell it was the same actor. Well, and he, of course, is probably the only actor in this movie that like went on to be somebody. Um, he's also the main villain. I think he's like the main villain of uh, Casablanca. And oh. like he's done, he's done some other stuff too. He's also in a like old film version of the Thief of Baghdad, and he's Jafar, and he's kind of he's got like a kind of a similar oh. look to uh, what the Disney one is. Interesting, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I saw an image of him, and he's got those the same piercing eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's that guy. <laughs> so let me ask you guys this real quick before we get back to the to the actual film, because I go back and forth. Do you think a remake of this in, today could be cool? If they did it right. Um, depends who I did really, it. I don't I, know, yeah. It depends who did it. I don't want to see a remake of this movie. <laughs> I think this is the last thing that anyone would really care or want to see remade. But Say that, they, but it, I'm going to tell you about some a bit, uh, failed remakes here in a minute. And some of them are insane. Oh, really? Well, I feel like a remake to this the first thing that happens is it becomes more gratuitous. Um, yeah. In a way, this is kind of like an early, like, proto-slasher, like, because we are getting, like, a bunch of different kills, and it goes pretty far for a 1920s film, uh, which is pretty shocking. You know, you have, like, the shadow shot where he, like, stabs down, um, and it's pretty hardcore for that era, but uh, I feel like that's kind of the first thing that happens when you remake it, is you get, like, a lot more gore <laughs> and yeah. like, I don't think you really need this. Like I like the kind of psychological uh, horror uh, to it. I'd say this if really it had fits the old Gothic style that we used to make horror films with. Absolutely. If it did have to be remade, I'd say give it to a 24 and not Blumhouse. It's just me. <laughs> what the Blumhouse yeah. Caligari. That'd be funny. Yeah. Cause that'd be weird. Uh, you know, like, even... Because Nosferatu, I'm excited to see the Eggers version of that. I don't even know if I would necessarily need, like, a Robert Eggers version of this, like, if he was announced for it. Um, and he'd definitely be the person I'd pick, but it kind of would just end up being the same movie, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like this is just kind of, like, perfect in a sense. Like, obviously, uh, technically, like with technology like uh we've improved but like everything about it's so well crafted like i don't really know why mm. you would do it outside of just like a ah, better you know film quality but like you have sound yeah. now stuff like that color see i i don't know I, I i go back and forth like i said and maybe it's too late for this now but maybe 10 15 years ago I would have loved to see this remade with Anthony um, Hopkins yeah. as Caligari. Oh, see, I was thinking while watching it, uh, you have like the uh, late nineties Jim, uh, not Jim Carrey. Oh, God, no. Um, oh, Tim, Jim Tim Burton. Tim Burton. No, but do you want a Jim Carrey Caligari movie? You don't. Do you want Jim Carrey as the as the sleepwalker? You have like the nineties. Uh, uh, 
in Burden One, where you have Danny DeVito as Caligari and Johnny Depp as the sleeping guy. <laughs> I don't Caligari. know when Ryder is the woman that he kidnaps. Caligari that, he that's did what remind me a lot of uh, Danny DeVito Penguin, though. There was a, a specific bit. shot where I was like, "Oh, that's that was when it clicked the Tim Burden connection." And it was like, oh, that is just the penguin running away when he's yeah. running over the bridge in uh, Batman Returns. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know what scene you're talking about. <laughs> As with many success, like influential films, there are multiple attempts at remaking so already in existence. But the main one I wanted to bring attention to, because it made me laugh, uh, in 1990, is it this one? Or no, sorry, an independent film remake of Caligari, Edited, written, and directed by David Lee Fisher was released in 2005. I have no idea who this person is. But here's what caught my attention. Because he did... He, he kind of half-assed remade it. Because he shot a bunch of actors. And then green-screened them into the original movie. What? <laughs> <laughs> so he made, like, a YouTube parody. So, like, he directed all these people and then... Yeah, <laughs> he, he directed all these actors. It doesn't. This version doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, so I have no idea who was in it. But then he green screened them into the backdrops That's from space. the original film. That's terrible. Okay, um, but Boy, remakes. Why would you do this? There's remakes and quasi sequels. Uh, there's a quasi quasi sequel called Doctor Caligari from 1989. Uh, starring someone as the Andy granddaughter. Cameron made a sequel called uh, <laughs> Dr. Caligari's. Starring as the grand granddaughter of Dr. Caligari, who now runs an insane asylum. And then I mean, there's Caligari. Kind of something. Yeah. <laughs> in, in 1992. You can't make a sequel to. Like, you make a sequel and you kind of inherently ruin the ending of this movie, I think. Yeah, it takes so, away from the ambiguous ending. I, I agree and disagree because it, if you did a sequel, you couldn't use the same characters minus maybe the the Asylum director. <clears throat> but at that point, really... Because I, I never say that a sequel is a bad idea until I've seen it. But I feel like with the... It, and I don't say this is an insulting way, but as, as thin as this premise is until the twist, where it's just kind of a slasher movie, like you mentioned, really the only way to go is like a Friday the 13th where you just do the same movie again. Oh, God, yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, see, what I like about it is that, you know, it kind of starts off that way, and then, you know, you find out that, like, oh, he's not really like a doctor. He's actually, you know, the head of this mental institute. And then you find out that, like, he got the idea from this book about this Dr. Caligari character, and he's kind of trying to recreate that. Um, mm -hmm. And I like all that stuff. But, like, it should be all in the guy's head. Like, when you move forward with that, you... Like, you, you don't make the movie that actually continues from the end of this. You make, okay, like, Caligari again. Or, like, okay, like, how is he, like, actually Dr. Caligari? You know what I mean? And it's like not well, lame. I don't know. I feel like this is kind of one of those places, like, um, what's the movie? Uh, Metropolis, where it's like, yeah, you don't touch that. <laughs> I don't know. I Metropolis series. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I feel like you could remake this, and it may not be an improvement on the material, but I think it would be a good way to maybe bring more eyes to this. 
Because yes, this is a highly influential film, but I I think you could do a movie to the quality of this now and like bring it to more people's attention, um, and maybe get a little more psychological with it. Because m- maybe this is blasphemy, but I think part of what I don't like about silent films is they feel limited as much as they don't at the same time. Like you can only do so much with this premise in a silent film because you're limited by whatever yeah. you can make. Whereas now you could get a little more trippy with it. Maybe, maybe a little more, you know, gory, like you mentioned, but it doesn't have to be that, um, you know, uh, that does remind me this, uh, best shot of this movie is, uh, the flashback within the story, um, which is like mm-hmm. pretty crazy for a movie like this, but uh, you have Dr. Caligari kind of, or the director of this mental institute kind of figuring out that he's going to be Dr. Caligari and he walks out into the like field next to the mental oh, yes. institute and it's being like, be Dr. Caligari is yeah. being written all that's over the scene. It. Yeah, that's a really cool scene. That scene is amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the more I think about it, the more I like the take that he is, the main character is just crazy and imagining all this because you have a character in here, Caligari, who become, you know, the director of the the, uh, institution who becomes obsessed with the concept of, like, controlling sleepwalking people. Mm -hmm. And, And really... It's like that's a manifestation of the main character's actual ex- uh, obsession with it. Is it having another character within his delusion that's obsessed with it? Um, yeah, absolutely. That's what I thought. But yeah. Well, I also love think... twist. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I just think that like if this is the kind of twist I think if you were to do today it would be seen as a cop out. But if you think about it in the context of this movie, I think it works. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it was what I was going to say, too, was uh, I love, like, in the first scene, you know, you have, like, this woman kind of, uh, like, walk out. And when I first saw her, I was like, oh, she's very, like, weird. Like, she's not, they're, like, there's something off about this character, and yeah. I can't quite pinpoint what it is. And I'm like, I don't know if that's maybe just because it's, like, a 1920s movie. Like, I don't, I don't know why, but she's just kind of, like wrong and the main character's mm-hmm. like oh you know this is my fiance like whatever let me tell you the story and then you get to the end and it's like oh like she's just another inmate like right yeah you know, that's inmates. what it is and it's like oh i was supposed to think that you know mm-hmm. yeah no it, it sets it up it's not like it comes out of nowhere like they're mm-hmm. setting it up all throughout the movie which is why i think it works yeah, no, it's the perfect kind of twist like this where it's not overly foreshadowed to the point where it becomes predictable, but it when you get it, it's like, oh, I didn't even think yeah. that was like a possibility. But like mm-hmm. everything in the movie makes so much more sense yeah. now. It, yeah, and it's the kind of twist you don't see it coming, but then when you rewatch the movie, it recontextualizes the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. Yeah. By the way, John, you better mute this entire video and have like just it all written out. Like this yeah. better be a perfect, <laughs> like a fully silent review. <laughs> yeah, it'll. You know how much us, effort like, talking, that would take. Yeah, and you can <laughs> compose music to go over it. <laughs> so the other thing I found interesting is 
and this decade of film was kind of a blind spot for me. My big, you know, film expertise, I want to say, you know, for lack of a better term, is very much 80s. Uh, Austin and, and Noah, you both know I'm a big fan of 80s horror. But comparing this to the Universal films is interesting, uh, just on a filmmaking level, because the sets in this look as, I would say, almost, almost if not as good as some of the stuff in the, in the best Universal monster movies. Really well put together. Uh, so I was really impressed with them. Well, no, and I think Universal definitely was inspired by this movie. Like, that's mm -hmm. another big influence this has on that. I, um, I feel like yeah. it, this would take a second watch through for me to fully grasp the story. Um, because that's the other thing is... I, I, like, I process a lot of the information in movies by hearing things. So when I have to slow down and read the text, I miss big chunks of, of story. So there's big chunks in the middle that I may have missed that I kind of tried to piece together through the ending of the film as well as kind of researching what was happening in the movie. Um, but I, I will say for for what this is, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but I was very impressed with this film overall, but I didn't love it. I'm yeah, kind fine. of in the middle. It's kind of the thing you appreciate more than you like. Yeah. And now I've finally seen, like, Tim Burton done correctly. It's a miracle. Don't <laughs> yeah. tell Nick Cage that uh, you didn't love this movie, though. <laughs> yeah. He's not well, going to like that. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I've kind of said my piece on this. It is a very impressive movie for its time that I think in some ways holds up. But I think I am leaning more towards I would be interested in seeing a remake of the remake of this if done right by the right people. Now, of course, I'm jokingly yeah, like saying I would like to see Blumhouse, but my real pick would yeah. be like A24. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, this is this movie, this movie. This movie deserves to be done justice. And I don't hate Blumhouse, but for something like this, A24 is my more go-to. Like, yeah. I don't want the Caligar schlock movie. I want... Yeah. A24 is what makes the modern equivalent of what this stuff was. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, there was one thing before we wrap up was what did you guys think of the the score for this movie? I was actually gonna say that too of I, I can't believe I forgot that. I can I um, adore the score for this movie. Man. Um it very it very much sets a mood. And funny funny enough, and I couldn't find it, which made me very sad. But I was telling Torgo about this. My dad went through a phase where he would do like his own compositions to silent movies. So that's the first time I'd heard of this. Because he did his own kind of like synth wave, like dark synth score to this movie. And I really wish he'd upload it into oh, YouTube. Awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's just one of those things. Like, I love the kind of like overture, um, like style of movie uh, like this that we used to have, where it's, like the music was like constantly playing, and you know, it very much kind of lulls you in to this kind of like dreamy uh, film. And I think this would be like a killer film to see with a live orchestra. Oh yeah, I will say yeah, as well. my, I, I, it is better than my experience with the Nosferatu score, which was like blown to hell in that YouTube transfer <laughs> and gave me a headache. So I'll this to, was uh, after we're done this, I'll have to send you a picture of what the VHS version of um of this movie still look like. 
because man that sounds like that's kind of what your experience with nosferatu was <laughs> i would i i think in the near future we might have to do like a re-review on or a re-review on that because and nosferatu is also great um, yeah i still I think, have to see that one i think i would put this over nosferatu um but i've only seen both of them once so I Out think of all even, the silent films I've seen, this is my favorite, for sure. I think despite my my bad experience with the YouTube transfer, I would put Nosferatu over it because I'm more of a monster guy than I am a psychological horror guy. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> but it's tough. No, Nosferatu is also awesome. So. Mm-hmm. Here's hoping that Eggers remake eventually happens. Uh, Fingers crossed. Because... Mm-hmm. I mean, I liked the th- the Northman well enough, but I think it's his weakest movie. Uh, yeah, of the sure. three, it's still it's still amazing, but it's his weakest movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm gonna give this a three. It's pretty good. It's not like great, uh, but I respect the hell out of it, and the score kicks ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin, you go. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> give it a five. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> oh, is this gonna go on our five out of five list? No, <laughs> the, but that's—I wasn't expecting him to rate it that high. Um, I'm going back and forth between a four and a four point five, and I think um, after this discussion, I'm landing on four point five. So, that's my rating. Sweet. All right. Well, Austin, since this is your first episode of Shutter Shuffle, uh, after the review, I switch the camera Did you over spin to the wheel. We spin the wheel. Are you ready to spin the wheel? Yep. Spin. I don't even know Change what that is. I think I don't Josh know picked that. that. Yeah, it's probably Josh. It's probably Doolittle. I should say. Oh, it's a Canadian supernatural psychological horror film. God damn it! That means we I'm have to have it. the Canadian on there. Yeah, from <laughs> around uh, next week. I'll see if I can do it. Let's see. Let's see the, the changeling. Oh, I've been wanting to see this. Uh, Torgo, as always, it was a pleasure watching and talking this movie yeah. with you. And uh, Austin was here. Yeah, anyway, we will talk to you guys next time, and thank you for watching. <laughs>